small as it might yeah. <laughs> okay, what happened this week? Pop quiz. Major event Thursday. In the States, it was Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving. And that is something that I want to, uh, the subject of our talk today from the scriptures. I want to read, first of all, from Psalm 100. And if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to read that. Otherwise, just have a listen to this. It's a psalm for giving thanks. It says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness, with a smile on your face. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Here we go again. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, can I just see your hands a moment and have a think before you put them up. If you believe that God has blessed you in your life, can I see your hands? Okay. Are you sure? You're really sure about that? Not just, an, oh, maybe. Yeah? Right. Okay. Now, let me just say this to you at the outset. If you think God has blessed you now, this pales into complete insignificance compared to what he has given you in the redemption of your soul through the blood of Jesus Christ. It'll pale into absolute nothing. The greatest days and your best days are ahead of you. So with that thought, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Giving thanks, Thanksgiving. And today I've entitled uh, your message is your attitude of Thanksgiving. When you have that attitude, it glorifies God. There's an old saying is, your life is God's gift to you. But what you make of your gift is your gift to God. So I want to suggest to you this morning that if you will adopt an attitude of gratitude in your lifestyle every single day, if you will live your entire life as a thanksgiving gift to God compared to a grumbling, complaining, moaning lifestyle and attitude, then... And especially thinking about the good things that God has done for you, it will radically increase your purpose, your satisfaction, your meaning in life. And if you want to do that, the way is through the attitude of gratitude and living your life as a thanksgiving offering to God. So God wants thankfulness, point, to be a lifelong attitude to all of us. We want that with our children, don't we? We want them to be grateful when they're given something, to say thank you. And God also says that is good for you to have that attitude of gratitude. So the first verse on your outline I want you to look at is this. This sets the tone for it. The one who offers, what's the next word? In fact, I want you to read this. This is important. Let's read this aloud together in unison. Let's go. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice... Let's read it again, in unison, in time. I need to have some lessons in clapping to keep in time, and also the reading time. Let's go. The one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice. Glorifies me. Right. You want to glorify God? How do you do it? Right. Very, I don't know what God's will is. There it is right there, straight in front of you, easy to apply. God wants you and I to live with an attitude of gratitude 
right from the heart with a passionate thanks. Okay, so now we're going to get into some real clear principles here. I want to look at how, why and how I should live my life as a thanksgiver. Why should I do that? Number one. And number two is how, exactly how should I live that life? So I'm going to give you three reasons today why and six simple practices is the how. Because it's useless telling you why without the how. That's what we're going to look at. Three reasons, six simple practices. Now, the book of Psalms, as most of you discovered, is a book of thanksgiving, right? That's what it is. And today, the first reason that I should live my life, entire life, as a thank you gift to God is this. Because of who God is. I'm going to explain that. Who God is, number one. Because of who God is. The Bible says in Psalm 145, verse 3, The Lord is great. The Lord is great. He's not weak. He's not powerless. The Lord is great. And He is worthy of our praise. No one can even understand how magnificent He is, how great He is. Now, why is that attitude worthy of my gratitude? Well, here's the deal. Let me make this why. Because if He's big enough to make the entire universe... He is big enough to handle your problems. If he's big enough to create the entire universe, he's big enough to handle your problems. And God is interested, even in the number of hairs on your head, if that's the case, and he has the power to do anything, that every problem that you bring to God is small, very small, (laughs) compared to the universe, right? There are no big problems in God's eyes. None. You may have a big problem you think is a big problem, but to God, it is small. I want you to get that perspective. Because sometimes our problems get bigger, and the the real estate in the mind of our problems gets bigger, but our vision of God gets smaller. We need to turn that around. Because the bigger God is in our vision and our understanding, the smaller our problems will become. Psalm 97.12. Give thanks to God. Here it is again. Give thanks. Give thanks. Listen to how many times it comes up today, that word thanks. Give thanks to God as you remember how holy he is. Now, what does holy mean? It means separated. There is nothing like him. He is separate from anything else in the universe. That's the second thing we know. Circle that word holy. That means that no one else is like him in the entire universe. He is perfectly pure, perfectly just, Perfectly faultless. And we can thank God for that. Here's another one. Psalm 107 verse 8. Give thanks. There's that word again. The attitude of gratitude to the Lord. Why? It tells us next. What's the next one? For his unfailing love. That means it's not fickle. Unfortunately, some of you in this room and some of your friends have felt the impact of failing love. And it's destroyed marriages. It's destroyed children. There are impacts of those things. But God's love never fails. It is consistent. The only thing in your life that you can count on that can never be taken away from you is God's unfailing love. Now, you may choose to reject that. That's your choice. But I would suggest to you that will be a highly foolish choice to make. Many times I've said to you in this, in this church that no one will ever love you like God. No one. No man will ever love you like God. No woman will ever love you like God the way he does. 
Now, if God was not a loving God, you wouldn't even know what love was. You wouldn't have a clue. You wouldn't be able to give it. You wouldn't be able to receive it. The only reason you can give and receive love is because God made you in His image. And God is love. Now, by the way, that's a partial truth. A lot of people quote that God is love. The other half of that is God is truth and justice. I've been studying that for the last three months in my own private Bible study. And it's important when you're given the truth that you look at the whole lot package together. Some people see God as just a, a, a heavenly Santa Claus, but he's, more, he's not. That's a very incomplete picture of God. So we can thank God that he's great, that he's holy, and that his love is unfailing. And boy, for me, that was really deep and meaningful and personal because my dad's love was not unfailing. It was not consistent. It was fickle and withdrawn easily. But I found at a very early age, age of 13, that my security should never be put in another human being. Because human beings will let you down. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what their intentions are. But God will never, ever let you down. So we've seen that God is great. He's holy. His love is unfailing. And nobody's ever going to get love you like God does. Psalm 7 verse 17 brings out another thing we can, why God is great. And that is because it says, I will thank, there's that word again, thank the Lord. This is something how you can thank the Lord because he is just. He is just. That means he's fair and he's, not, he's unprejudiced. He's not bought or fawned on by anybody because he's got perfect knowledge. He always does what is right. And that's super important. I thank God, for me, that he's not manipulated and he never does wrong. Actually, I spent a whole day in court on Friday. And one thing I was very thankful for is that our God is just and he's not manipulated. He's a judge that sees the whole picture. He's got all the facts and he can adjudicate perfectly. I am thankful for that. Here's another one, Psalm 54, verse 6. I will thank, there's that word again, I will thank the Lord because he is good. He's good, always good. God is a good God. And every good thing in your life comes from your heavenly Father because of the goodness of God. If our Creator was not good, there'd be no good in the universe. And that gives me something and you something to thank God for. Psalm 118, verse 1. Here's something that perhaps you and I could apply this week, perhaps today. It says this, tell the Lord how, how what? Thankful you are. How did that go last week? Was it a week where you could say, well, Lord, every day I remember to thank you. Every day I was on track, my head was in the right. Tell the Lord, the Bible says, how thankful you are. And that's what we're looking at this morning. How to live your life as a thanksgiving offering to the Lord, your God. So tell the Lord how thankful you are. Why? Because he is kind and he is always merciful. Wow. That is something to thank him for. Now some of you guys grew up in homes where your parents were inconsistent. And sometimes they were kind, but sometimes they weren't. And sometimes they were merciful, and sometimes they weren't. And sometimes they were loving, and sometimes they were not. Now here's a point. Parents, grandparents. Let's take a, a, a lesson from the Lord. Inconsistency creates insecurity. 
Inconsistent parents create insecure kids. Let me say that again. Inconsistent parents create insecure kids. We learn that lesson from our father. That's not my idea. That's God's idea. So the Bible says inconsistency is not true about God because he's always kind and he's always merciful. So it means no matter how badly, listen to this, that I behave or blew it this week or month or year of my life, if I am truly sorry, and how do I know if I'm truly sorry? Dad, I'm, I'm sorry for breaking the windows, throw a ball. Dad, I'm sorry for breaking the window, throw a ball. Dad, I'm sorry for breaking the window. No, no. I know that my kid is sorry when he goes, Dad, I'm sorry for breaking the window, throw a ball. I'm not going to break any more windows. <laughs> I'm going to quit throwing balls at windows. <laughs> That's when I know when he's turned around. Otherwise, he's just deluding himself. To him that knows to do good, don't throw balls. And does it not? To him it is what? Sin. That's what the scriptures say. So if you keep on doing it, it tells you you're not repenting. You're not sorry. You know that as parents. If your kid keeps doing the same thing, they ain't sorry at all. They're just sorry they got caught, right? <laughs> right. Okay. So that leads us to this. How can I show my thanks for God who is loving, who is holy, who is just, who is good, kind, gracious, and great? Well, the Bible says there's at least two ways that we can do that. And you might write these down. Number one. Now listen up to this. It is from singing from the heart. Singing from the heart. Now I'm not just saying singing. I'm not just saying just singing. From heart is one way that you show gratitude to God. We're going to take communion in the middle of the next point. That's what's happening now in the next point. So I'm not saying just singing. I'm saying singing from the heart. Okay? That singing about the gratitude we have for God. It's a way to express our thanksgiving. Now, I have a question for you. Does your tone or the intonations of your voice actually indicate something about your heart? Does it, does it express thanks if I go, if you made me a handmade gift for Christmas and I go, oh, thanks. Does that tell you anything about my heart? Huh? There's not much in there, is it? I go, whoa, thank you so much. There's a difference in the tone, right? Now, some of you on Sunday morning, I realize you've had a busy week. But when you come into the house of the Lord, we need to focus our attention on the Lord. Because we all have a habit of being distracted, right? A habit of being distracted. And God says, I want you to sing with a full heart. So what I'm saying is a lot of times on Sunday, it's possible to sing, but not sing with your heart. It's possible to say, I love you, but not with your full heart. Just a perfunctory, I love you. Huh? Absolutely possible. And this is what he's getting to. Look at this, Psalm 147.7. Sing out your thanks to him. Sing praises to our God with enthusiasm. You say, I can't sing. Well, actually, the Bible also says, make a joyful noise. <laughs> so you may not be able to sing in tune. Okay, so let's clap on time. Okay, clap on time and clap with enthusiasm. And if you get stuck, normally you'll watch a bass player or you can watch somebody up here who's clapping on time because it's hard to sing out of time and clap, sorry, sing in time and clap out of time. Just pop it there, thanks, mate. Okay. So, so when the worship leader stands up here, whoever this may be, and says, let's stand and sing, sing it like you mean it. I mean, this is a, 
uh, an adult audience, almost. So let me say it to you this. What, if your wife, would you get it if your wife looked you in the eye and said, kiss me like you mean it? <laughs> Absolutely. There's a difference to a peck and a kiss with passion. And I say that unapologetically. And there's a difference between standing there. God says about this, you sing with your lips, but your heart is not near to me. And this is what he's getting at. Make sure it's from the heart. It's genuine heartfelt worship. Let me ask you this. How many watched rugby last night? Changing topics completely. Okay. <laughs> huh? Anybody? Okay. Sorry, guys. I'm going to I'm gonna have to destroy some of your... your uh, I'm fairly short. In, the, in my downstairs, there's a, a roof, which is probably about there. Not long ago, when the All Blacks were under the, cum, under the pump, and we were right near the line, I literally jumped up. And if you go to my room now, you can actually see there's my ring mark in the, in the ceiling. <laughs> I was infused about that, man. I was super pumped because we nearly lost. <laughs> and I was, but if, here's my point. If I can get that enthusiastic about rugby, why not about the Lord? Why not? Rugby, schmugby. Here, met, gone. Who knows, we might play it in heaven. <laughs> I never thought about that before. But the point is, if I can give enthusiasm, enthusiasm, passion, and time, and great heartfelt commitment, and really roar when we score, why not for the Lord when he scored something that's going to settle your eternal destiny? So, for some of you who come and you sing, it's like with hands. I'm, not, not, I'm just saying this is a generalization across the world. Just across the world is a problem. And you don't show enthusiasm or focus on it. What does that say about our hearts? But when we're in rugby, we can go, yay! And what do we do? We clap our hands for just a miserable five points or a three-pointer. Huh? Do you get it? What's wrong with getting excited? You give life. You give love. You bring light in the dark. By the way, if you're in a dark room, pitch black, and you see a little bit of light just over there, why wouldn't you walk towards that light? Some of you are listening to this, may not even be in this room, or you are in this room. When you see the light, walk towards it. Don't turn around. It's insanity to walk the other direction. You know the way to go. My question is to you, why are you pursuing the light that you've got? Then more light will be given to you. You give hope. You're not going to get that in rugby. It's freckle. As we've experienced the last previous two tests, right? You give hope. Where else are you going to get that? You're not going to get it from your employer. He could fly you like that. You restore. Man, do I know that from being dragged up from the ashes, out of the miry clay, out of a smashed life. You're not going to get that from anywhere else. Every heart, you restore every heart that's broken, Lord. Great are you, Lord. And we just want to say, thank you. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you, guys. The second way we can give thanks, the second way 
is by thanking God in prayer. By thanking God in prayer. Can we just say thank you? Prayer is simply talking to God. Simply talking to God in conversation with Him. Psalm 105 verse 1 says, what does it say? Let's read it. Next song. Next, next, next song. Next slide. Give thanks to the Lord and... Okay. Let Him know. It's like if you're a kid, you want them to express their thanks to you vocally. So I'm going to ask you now, as we, um, as we get ready to take communion, in fact, if the ushers, if you'd like to get ready to, if, you, if some of them are missing some elements, is that correct? Have you got all the elements? So some bread? No, no, that's good. We need the bread and, and, and the body. <laughs> the bread and the wine, which is good. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to pray with your eyes open. No praying with your eyes shut this time. And what I want you to do is have a look at those first six those first six verses, which are on the first point, going back to those first six, okay? And I want you to read them slowly and quietly to yourself and thank God. So we're going to just take a moment. You can keep your eyes open. But if you just bow your heads to indicate that you are praying, and just read through those and just in your own way, and then I'm going to pray at the end. Read through them, thanking God. Father, in this silence, we just thank you for the opportunity to personally thank you for who you are. Now, Father, we thank you and we praise your name for who you are. And we don't want this day to go by without taking a moment to focus on you and who you are. Now, for some of us, this is something we do regularly. Many of us, not very often. And some of us, haven't prayed for a long time. But right now, we do take this moment, knowing that you are here and that we've gathered to praise your name, that you are such a great God. We see it in everything that you have made. We see it in the way that you've made us. Thank you for your greatness, and I pray that you would help us to see every problem that we ever encounter and every victory we have in the light of your greatness. Thank you that you are holy and that you have perfect integrity. Help our lives to be changed by the perfection that we see in you. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We praise you that you are God of awesome love, perfect goodness. Your justice is unequaled. And you will always win out in the end and see that justice is done. Father, we thank you that we can always count upon you, a love that never fails us, a goodness that will always be with us, a God that makes all things work together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, a justice that will see perfect justice win out in the end. So God, we praise you right now for who you are, and we do this together as your family. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So the first reason God wants us to live our lives as a thanksgiving offering is because of who he is. He is worthy of our thanksgiving. But there's a second reason. And you may want to write this one down. So the first one was we praise God for who he is. And the second is we praise God for what he's done. So we've done the who. Now we're going to look at the what he's done. So the second reason I should live my entire life as a thanksgiving offering to Jesus is for what he's done. Not just who he is, but because of what he's done. Now the difference between who he is, what I just talked about, and now what he's done is the difference between praise and thanksgiving. Praise for who he is, thanksgiving for what he's done. That's the difference. You see those words in scripture often. So we praise God for who he is. We thank God for what he's done. Psalm 52, 9. I will thank you, God, for what you have done. There it is. Thank you, God, for what you have done. And what's God done for you? Millions of things. Many of them you don't even recognize. Firstly, I'll just give you a quick five one. Firstly, he created you. Let all things praise the name of the Lord because we were created at his command. Imagine, he can organize every single molecule in your body. And then give you a spirit. That's the difference. The Bible encourages us to be grateful for that. That not only you created, but he also, secondly, he saved you. So that you can live forever. He saved you so that you can live forever with him. Psalm 9, verse 14. I will praise and rejoice because you saved me. Man, that is a big number, that one there. He saved you. Third, he's answered your prayers. That's the reason to thank God. Psalm 118, 21. I praise the Lord for answering my prayers. And those answers, by the way, are simply these things. It'll either be yes, it'll either be no, or it'll either be wait. He will always answer prayer. Yes, it's pretty obvious. It's boom, it's arrived. But let me tell you, just to reset some of your expectations, Moses waited 40 years for some of his prayers to be answered, but they were answered. Did you hear that? Some of us get a little itchy, a little impatient. Two weeks, three weeks, two months, two years. Like, Whoa, this isn't going to happen. No, oh, slow down. This is the maker of the universe. Okay? First 40 years, Pharaoh's household. Second 40 years, where was he? The desert. Hang on, let's get this. 40 years in the desert. Hot, not much water. By, you know, sh watching a few sheep. Where's this great deliverance, Lord, that you're going to work through me? 40 years he waited for that. Some of you are getting itchy over five or ten. Perspective. Yes, no, or wait. There'll only be one of three answers. There's a reason. So I praise the Lord for answering my prayers. Number four, he gives you direction in life. I praise the Lord because he guides me. He guides me. And how's he going to do that? He guides you through the Bible, through biblical teaching, balanced biblical teaching. There are some people that the scriptures warn about that talk about misleaders. They lead you in the wrong direction, away from the things that are important to God and get you tied up in knots. Or it may even sound religious. You notice that Jesus afflicted the comfortable religious leaders, but he comforted the afflicted. He'll do it through circumstance. He'll do it through a conscience that's informed by the word of God, not by the world. And you can be thankful for that. Fifth, he came to the earth to die for you so you could be forgiven. I love this verse, Colossians 3, 4, 13, 2, 13. We were spiritually dead. No heartbeat, no passion, no pulse. 
because of your sins and our sinful nature. But, here's the big but, God gave us new life with Christ. And he forgave how many sins? All. See this word here? I looked it up in the dictionary this week. You know what it all means? All. <laughs> Chuck, all. Some of you uh, need your definitions refocusing on. That is amazing. He forgave all our sins. That is something to get excited about. Whew. And I can be grateful for that. Can you? And he canceled the record containing all the charges. I spent Friday looking through 700 pages of documentation. Now, there was a lot of charges in there. He took it and he destroyed that certificate of debt by nailing it to the cross, effectively saying, Satan, you want to get that through to those? You've got to come through me. That's amazing. Now, hang on a minute. Can you imagine if somebody called some of you up and said to you, I've cancelled all of your debt, and by the way, you've won lotto. You'd be delirious. Delirious. Would you be grateful? Oh, heck yes. You would. Now, let me be clear. Forgiveness is free, but it was very expensive for Jesus. It cost him his life. And you want me. Third reason, and finally, why I should live my life, entire life, as a thanksgiving gift to God, is because of what God has promised. What he's promised. God has not finished doing the good things in your life. But he is good. In fact, the best part of your life is still ahead of you. And God, those good things are spelled out in thousands of promises. So David says this, I will praise you in Psalm 71, 22, because you are faithful to your promises. I love that. What he promises, he absolutely will do, including all those land, that land back to Israel, forming back, but that's at a national scale and down into an individual basis as well. So have you ever thanked God for his promises? One of God's unbelievably precious promises is this. He promises life after death. Whoa, did you get that? Life after death. Jesus says here in John 11, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live again. That is a promise. Are you thankful for life after death? I sure am. Because not everything is so cool down here sometimes. Have you ever thanked God that this is not the end? Yeah. And by the way, that's what Easter's all about. Another of God's promises that he will take care of your needs if you'll trust him and put him first in your life. Matthew 6.33, God will give you everything from need from day to day if, now that's a conditional promise, right? So what? hold on, what's the condition? If you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary, not secondary or last, if I've got some time for it, concern. So Jesus here is essentially talking about the need for clarity of focus on the things of heaven instead of the blurred double vision of being held captive by the things of this earth. See, sometimes we have one eye on this and one eye on that. And how about you? That gives people headaches. <laughs> that leads directly from the, uh, is derived from Jesus' clear conclusion back a few verses in 6.24 when he says, here's what he says, you cannot it is impossible to serve both god and wealth have them both as number one 
There's only one number one. Only one gets across that line. Many Christians believe that it can balance the passionate pursuit of Christ with the passionate pursuit of riches or give equal time or equal heart energy or equal passion to both of these. If you say that, you're at odds with Jesus. But in the Christian life, has to enthrone Jesus alone as Lord. There's no room for competing loyalties. So our positions and our pursuits must be submitted to Christ's priorities and plans, not the other way around. Well, I get my plans and my priorities in place, and then, oh, yeah, if I've got some time left, I'll do this. We're Christ's ambassadors, not our own ambassadors. The third great promise is that no matter where you go through alone in this life, God will always be with you. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Now, you may have been abandoned by your boyfriend or by your dad or your mum. One of them got divorced. and Well, they both got divorced, but you hardly ever see one of them. Or maybe even a business partner. And that hurts. I know from personal experience. But God says there's one thing you and I can count on, and that says, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. And that, there is no condition to attach to that. Notice that. It's unilateral. Now, I could have listed many more, but how do I show my thanks? Now, the practical side. For a God like that who says, I'm going to take care of you. I've made you these promises. How can I show thanks to God? Let me give you two more ways, then we'll close. Number one is by serving him with whatever abilities God has given me. Whatever it is. We shouldn't just say we're grateful. We should show it by serving. Here's a verse from that. Hebrews 12, 28. Let us please God by what? Serving him with thankful hearts. With thankful hearts. It's a joy. I don't serve God out of duty or guilt or whatever it may be. I've been completely forgiven. I, I don't do it out of pressure. I serve God out of gratitude from the bottom of my heart. So here's my question to you. Are you doing anything in your life out of gratitude to God, out of unselfish service, in unselfish service? Do you have any time in your life that you're volunteering to serve God by serving others just because you do it out of gratitude to God? Or are you saying, "My no, I don't, because my life is so self-centered, full of my plans, I don't have time. Now, this week in Facebook, I put one little quote, which I want to bring up at this point. Friends, and this, I've, I felt impressed to do this late last night. For, for some people listening to this, retirement is not the goal of a surrendered life because it competes for the primary attention of our lives. Retirement is not the goal of a surrendered life. Because it competes with God for the primary attention of our lives. So do you think that God puts you on this earth to live for just you? The answer is no. He puts you on earth to learn to be unselfish. So is there any time in your week or in your month that you're unselfishly serving somebody else in Jesus' name? If you're not, that's a problem. And maybe that problem I could term as ingratitude. You're not grateful enough to God for all he's done, your birth, your life, your salvation, and all these other things. 
So what I would suggest is you highly recommend, I highly recommend that you find a place to serve somewhere. So and to do something totally unselfish, where you don't get paid for it. You may not get noticed for it. Jesus notices, but you just do it because you're grateful to God. Now in this church we have a lot of volunteers. And actually this week we have our volunteer appreciation deal where we're going to appreciate those volunteers and celebrate the blessing of working together for God's kingdom. But you don't just have to do it here. Just find a place and, and serve unselfishly. So if you have no volunteer service in your life, you're living a limited life and you're living an ungrateful life. But God says we serve with a grateful heart. Finally, and the last way we can show our gratitude is this. To live each day as a thanksgiving offering to God. I want to close with a scripture. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. I think those word thanks have been in virtually every scripture there. I want you to make your life as a thanksgiving offering to God because that is the will of Jesus Christ. God, you saved me, you created me, and you're taking me to be heaven, and I want to live my life with gratitude. Not with grumbling, not with complaining, and not with entitlement, and not with an ingratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, not for, in. For this is the will of God. Again, some of you struggle with what is the will of God. Right there in black and white, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Very clear. Final verse. This summarizes everything. The title of the message, Why and How. Let us live your lives overflowing with thanksgiving for all that he has done. And I challenge you to commit to do this with an attitude every day. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, today we are so thankful. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're good and that you're loving. You're just. You're merciful and you're great. That you're kind and you're forgiving. That, Lord, you are holy and you're merciful again. Thank you that you're not like people. Thank you that you're perfect in every way. And thank you that you can be trusted. God, I want to thank you for what you've already done in our lives. God, you made me. Thank you, you saved me. Thank you, you answer prayers. That you give me guidance. You even came and died on the cross to pay for all my sins. And thank you for what you promised. That you promised life after death. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You promised to meet all my needs. Thank you. You promised that you'll never leave me or forsake me. Thank you again. So dear God, today I want to live my life with an attitude of gratitude. I want to sing to you. I want to pray to you and tell others about you. I want to give generously back to you. And I want to serve you and live each day as a thank you gift. Today, friends, if you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ, that's where you start. You accept his gift. As my thank you gift, say, Jesus Christ, I give you my life. You gave yours for me, and I want to give my life back to you. 
I want to follow you from this day forward and trust you and love you. I humbly say this with great gratitude in Jesus' name. Amen.